Hello and welcome back to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast with Brant Pasalakwa, founder of the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation School. In this podcast, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive into the show. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. First question is, how can I help a young client struggling with body image and mental health? You want a bumper. I always think about it as like with minds, right? You just want to bump them to the right or left. You can't really change them dramatically, you know, by being like, what you want to feel is really, really strong. Like you want to feel strong because she's right. So, I mean, this is like, nobody would ever say this who does eating disorders, I think, but me, I don't know why, but like just the way people talk about it, like she's right. Like everybody feels better and better looking and all the things, right? When they're embodied. If you take a hundred people and have them, we know from like scientific evidence that if you take a hundred people and you have them like run three miles a day, none of them will lose weight. So it has nothing to do with weight, but what you will happen is they will all perceive themselves to be thinner, you know, um, or better looking or something. They're embodied and they feel like they're sort of in control, you know, not in an eating disorder way, but in like a good way of their like the input their body's getting, for instance. Like, that's the bump. You want to, like, give her language. She's only 14. But I'm like, strong's the new skinny, you know? Like, muscle's the new, you know, because it's true. I mean, things move around all the time, but I will say things have changed. I'm old enough, you know, to have watched this long enough to see that there's a lot of different things going on. We are in a particular phase of small bellies, this year. I mean, it's like back in fashion, right? So yeah. it's hard on teenage girls. Like when you're older, you're like, okay, look, I've, I've never had a flat stomach and like the likelihood of me having a flat stomach is low. I'm 48, you know, <laughs> it's like yeah. whatever. But when you're 14, it doesn't feel that, you know, that's not the world they're living in, you know, I'd actually say yes to her, but I would like be feeding her that. And I'd be like, there's nothing wrong with a 14 year old girl, like working out. You know, yeah. and she's going to think to herself, I'm going to get thinner the whole time, but you just have to try to counter it as much as you can. Listen, you can't get somebody out of wanting to right. look a certain way or to modify their body. It, it doesn't really work that way, right? Like no one works that. No one wakes up self themselves in the mirror and goes, I'm 100% killing it. Like, I can't believe how good I look. Like, yeah. I, I just can't believe it, you know, like none of us do that, right? Like that is not what happens every day. So for me, I always try to keep it in mind. Okay, I got a 14 year old girl. She doesn't know anything yet, but she is a person and mm-hmm. she's comparing herself to other people. And that's the issue, right? And so like influences that show that you can look really good in so many different ways, but also acknowledging the really good, I think is like so important. You know what I mean? Like any any message that I think in this population, if you put out there that it doesn't matter, you're you're done. Couple it with like like external scientific things. It's like you yeah. have to get everything in there at once. Like when you put 
you know, like go online and find all the studies. If you take any uh, group of teenage girls, this is true for every age actually, but yeah. if you take any group of teenage girls, there's a whole ton of studies on this and you show them people of different sizes and ask them to pick what size they are. They are always wrong by two sizes. Not sizes like like clothes sizes. I mean, like here's five bodies. Which one are you? Mm -hmm. And you've got someone who's like super thin, pretty thin, sort of like in the middle, a little bit overweight, and like you know, super big. I don't even like to use the word overweight. I'm sorry, I did that. I apologize. Um, but you know, what I mean, just like different bodies, and it's too. It's always too up doesn't yeah. know that she's body dysmorphic. I'm sure she is because everybody else is. So what's so special about her? So this kind of information like, oh, because at 14, I've seen, I have seen 15, 16 year old girls do this. They go, well, if that's true, then do I look like that? And I'm like, that is exactly what you look like. That's cool. I don't believe you. I'm like, take this home and read it. Tell me what you think. Like, that's the discussion though. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, so, I mean, I've had like young girls like be like, oh, so I'm body dysmorphic. I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else, your mom's body dysmorphic, your sister's body dysmorphic. You know, it's just, yeah. it's part of being human at this point. So it's okay, but you should just know the facts. And mm -hmm. then I joke, you know, you keep it light. You're like, me too. Like I see myself and I see a middle-aged bald guy with a pot belly, but I really know, you know, that I'm like a super hot 20 year old with a six pack. You know, just like, you know, you sort of like, you, you massage it for them, you know? So they they start to see it. I say, look, I'm like in my fifties, I've been obese and every day I see myself and I see a super, super, super fat guy. And I use the word fat on purpose because mm -hmm. that's how people speak, you know? And then they say like, you're not so fat. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I also know that, but that's what I see. And I totally understand, you know? Um, and then in addition to all that, you get to play the other side, which was my point before, which is like, it's totally normal. You should totally like do it, but you want me to show you yoga so that you're like, you're as strong and have as much muscle definition, not like losing fat muscle definition, but like just muscle definition, you know, as you can or whatever, like I'll show you some stuff to do. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just know that your body is what it is. Like there's another side to it. You yeah. know what I mean? And the thing you're going for isn't realistic. See, the thing I've learned from working with, with eating disorders is that if I don't get in on it, they're going to do something else. So they start running 10 miles a day. So, you know what I mean? Stuff like this happens all the time because it's like if I'm not in on it and, you know, negotiating how this exercise works and what's like reasonable and what's not reasonable, it can yeah. go very, very bad. So as long as you're in on it, it's going to be good because you're like a positive influence, right? Right. I mean, yeah. and honestly, yoga is like one of the best things because like it's not a giganto calorie burn. It's like not a great way to lose weight calorically. So, you know, I mean, she's not in some sort of really intense thing. Like even power vinyasa is nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like it's nothing compared to what you could do. You know, if you were really trying to like lose weight for your mom's wedding, right? So many women, especially, have been saved from their eating disorder by yoga, like saved, right? And part of it is you got in there because you were moving around. You thought it'd make you look better. Like that was in there. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those women in yoga studios are not all there because they think it's going to make them look worse. And it's not a meditation class. You know what I mean? There's a thing to it being exercise. So, you know, it's just what you see is like that slow transformation from like sort of like, like bad body image, anorexic thinking to like health and does this class make me glowing <laughs> versus does this class make me thin? How would you approach working with hormonal imbalances as a yoga therapist? This hormonal issues and apply the frameworks I have to them. A lot of them will get better, Yeah, you know, but my little like personal practice study, I mean, in New York, I, all the time I had people coming to me because they wanted to get pregnant, mm -hmm. which I was like, I wasn't, you know, clearly I wasn't like, yeah, you'll get pregnant after four yoga therapy sessions, but you know, the way we look at it is like, okay, let me talk to them about everything. And then what you always land on is something, this is what happened to me is like really obvious, you know, like you're so pit imbalanced, like, you know, that's like where we land and I'm going to teach you how not to be. And then we'll see, you know, we'll see, but that's how yoga therapy works. All of it. If you use the Koshik model too, it's like, is there a problem? You know, is there a Koshik problem? Like you've got somebody with estrogen dominance and reverse breathing. We teach them how not to do that. How does that affect them hormonally? Nobody knows. Nobody does studies on chest breathers and estrogen dominance. Like that right. is so far down the list of funding, <laughs> you know, it's never going to happen. So, but that's, that's, that's the, um, that's the thing as a, as a smart thinking person, it's always tricky, right? Cause you're like, wow, you have this diagnosis. And like, I don't know, like, I literally have no clue whether the thing I'm teaching you is going to help you. But I think it's helpful to remember too, when you do do studies on yoga therapy, you'll see like whatever happens, if it's a really positive result, say I took 50 women with estrogen dominance issues and, and uh, assessed them doshically and taught them these practices for 16 weeks, right? And 63% of them improved their situation, whatever. I'm just thinking about it. it could be anything, right? Which is, you know, equivalent to this Western treatment that they could, it's like, that's what it would look like, right? That's yeah. exactly what it would look like, something like that, where, and we see it time and time again, when they do do yoga studies, people who sort of learn to balance these things, like tend to have better outcomes. I mean, the craziest one I ever saw, I talk about it all the time, because it's like, it's, it's like lodged deep in my brain, is this doctor did this study on patients with on dialysis so everyone's on dialysis and he was like this is awesome they can't go anywhere so they're going to be so compliant because it's hard to do studies this is how he presented it he's like perfect people on dialysis they're all yeah. dying of kidney failure they're all on dialysis awesome and there was this intervention and it was like i thought it was a kind of a cheesy intervention but like you know, it was a little bit of movement a little bit of meditation everything was based on water because it was the kidneys i was like that's you know I'm not sure that your water meditation is any different than any other meditation technique, but okay, you know. And they did it like whatever it was, three or four times a week for a long time. I can't remember the details of that, but what was crazy is the morbidity rate was so much lower in the yoga group. Like it was beyond statistical significance. It was stunning. And we were all like, 
no and he's like i know there's like a room of like you know 100 you know yoga researchers you know he's presenting this thing and we're like what the hell and he's like i know right because like you're just sort of seeing if they're like their quality of life would give you know you've seen those studies like quality of life perceived energy levels but there's like people didn't die mm -hmm. you know so same kind of thing though it just shows you like where how the power could be in there and you don't even see it coming. The problem you have is you you can't really say anything very right. definitive. Yeah. Right? Because like you can't say we know people who do three sun salutation aids and a yoga nidra every day have, you know, less hot flashes. When you're talking to practitioners or referral sources, especially, it's good to understand it's like, yes, I I understand you're coming from this one way of thinking about it. So yoga therapy comes from Ayurveda and Ayurveda is really lifestyle medicine. Mm -hmm. It's getting at disease states long before disease states in Ayurveda are much earlier than in Western medicine. They're pre-symptoms, yeah. you know, but not, I mean, we're all coming to the same place. Like in Western medicine, we like take blood tests and we're like, oh, guess what? You're sick. You know, <laughs> you're like, I feel fine, but that's what you want, right? It's like, yeah. oh, we're going to give you this medicine. So you always feel fine. You're like, that sounds like a good idea. Um, so that's like what we do. It's like, we're, we're trying to get ahead of it. Um, so it does get harder when people are deep in symptoms. It can be a little harder, but yeah, meditation fits right in all the practices we do fit right yeah. in. Uh, and we don't know hormonal stuff, especially like we have zero idea. Yeah. Right. On what affects hormone balances in people. Like the way they study it, it's like there's not a lot of like movement meditation. Will I be able to assess someone based on their doshas after this course? Um, so we take out all the body stuff and the, you know, the things that were probably true when people are more genetically similar. And so what you're left with, and a lot of it's like presentation, mental health, stress levels. You know, and, and the big thing you see over and over again, you see, you, you, there's lots of kapha imbalanced people, but really in, in my practice, most people, you're like trying to decide whether you're going to balance vata or pitta. You know, pitta is a little trickier to work with. That's, that's usually the issue. And it's, it's a yoga therapy is not the, it's not Ayurveda. So in Ayurveda, let's say you have pitta and too much heat. You directly try to oppose that. You try to cool them down. There's yoga therapy that does that. I've tried it. I've learned it. it doesn't work at all, in my opinion. So the way I do it, which is particular to this school, is like this more educational process of how to like get at sensations, everything, thoughts, sensations, heat earlier in the process and learn to like change yourself right before something becomes a problem. So in the body, it's like controlling heat, you know, a lot earlier process, mm -hmm. you know, mentally it's like control, like seeing anger and disruption in the system arise and having practices in place that help you before it's, you know, manifesting as a disease. I see it as more personal, which is how I think yoga therapists should see it. You have to see it as like, you see, you, you already know this. This is what's so interesting. It's like, we already know this, but then when we start trying to apply stuff, it, it's like, we get confused, but you already know, it's like, you have a friend, right? They yeah. are, you know, not doing well hormonally. They are super type A. They are like stressed out all the time. They are trying to control everything. It's just sort of clear that like the way that they're going about things is not affecting their health well. 
like you already know people like that in your life, right? You see it from afar. You don't have to be some sort of like yoga therapy genius. Like that's not going well. So whether it's it's a matter of like really controlling heat in the body and all those things and inflammation, or whether it's a matter of changing that so that vata isn't as imbalanced because we know pitta unbalances vata. But it, the question is, what's the best way to get at it? So if I just tell this person to do diaphragmatic breaths, it's not going to do anything because it's too disrupted from something deeper than that. So that's how I kind of see the vata pitta interplay. And that's worked really well in clinical practice. And that's why I share it. It's not because yeah. I, I don't have any skin in the game. It's just that I what's see what? all the time that that works, right? And when you take like the standard, you know, he's one of my teachers actually, but if you take like the David Frawley book and try to work with asanas for engaging with the different doshas, I mean, you'll see, you know, you get people and it doesn't really change anything for them. So it's like this theoretical thing, but it doesn't really work. You know, maybe it works on like a really subtle level. If you're, you know, like a yogi and you have a very gigantic asana practice and the certain practices that are going to like, you know, reduce kapha and you want to reduce kapha, like it might work in that way, but it doesn't work taking people off the street who are like, I'm a mess, you know, like, you know, my periods are all over the place and I'm like emotionally all over the place with them. And, you know, I get like super, some months, like my cramps are so bad. I'm like in bed and, you know, these, these like symptoms, you know, like it doesn't yeah. work for that. You can't be like, well, headstand reduces, you know, and it like doesn't really work. So another example where you'll see that play out, which often has hormonal implications are headaches, all sorts of headaches, migraines, cluster headaches, where it'll be, the solution will be very different for different people. This is why I'm not a millionaire. I've done this a long time, but I can't, I can't, I couldn't write a book that said, this is how you deal with cluster headaches, right? Believe me, I've always thought I'm an entrepreneur, as you can see too. So I'd be like, that would be awesome. I could like put out programs. I'd be super rich. Everybody has headaches, right? But there's no way to do it because you need the assessment and you need to tweak it for each person. That's what's so great about yoga. Is doshic assessment covered in the advanced program? Is we thread all this material through it. And then every once in a while, we're like, yeah, you know that material? Don't use it for this condition. Because yeah. if you do this doshic stuff for this condition, it's not going to work. Because we tried it 800 times and it didn't work. So just save yourself the embarrassment. And here's what we do instead. And even in the, uh, we have a mental health module. I added module eight, it's like a newer module. And in module eight, it's like a different, it's like, I called it like mind types, but it's like a different way to assess people in terms of figuring out what meditations are going to benefit the most. But it's like, oh, and then there's, sometimes we do that. It's like, here's another framework you could try because everybody's different, right? So you're like, I got this. I totally nailed it. I passed my exam. I doshically balanced them. And you're like, and it didn't work, <laughs> you know? So you always need new avenues, you know? If it helps to wrap your mind around it, it's the same for anything. So like if you're a PT, right? What makes a great PT is that they switch protocols. They're like, oh, that should have helped you, all that movement I just did. <laughs> but it didn't, you know? And like the not so great PTs, right? Keep doing the same thing. And people get really frustrated. And the great PTs are like, I have another idea, right? So we, we try to be the same. We want to get more like broad and yoga therapy on it. If the mind controls everything, then any layer, right, can be contributing to a, an illness or an imbalance too. You can also have like trauma, some 
like from that perspective, right? Undealt with things in your psyche can cause disease. We don't always start there because you can't just tell everybody that undealt with past experiences is why period didn't come at 28 days. You know, <laughs> that's not true, but it could be, you know, so we keep that kind of open. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show and help us share yoga therapy with more people around the world. If you think this episode will help someone you know, feel free to share it with them. If you love yoga therapy and meditation, you can follow us over on Instagram at breathingdeeplyyoga, where we share anything and everything to help you advance your understanding of yoga therapy and meditation. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com. See you in the next episode.